Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. If you got your Bibles open with Matthew, open to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to, we're skipping announcements, or moving them to the end at least. I'm going to kind of piggyback. Two weeks ago, we talked a little bit about Matthew uh, chapter 7, 6 and 7, or 7 really, mostly. Uh, just about the whole idea of getting the log out of your eye so that you can get the speck out of your brother's eye. And the whole idea of that message was until you commit to the process of being transformed into the image of God, Shannon Powell's in the house today, ladies and gentlemen, and his beautiful wife. Zoe's in the house. So these are two of our missionaries right here that we support right here in the house today. That's, that's a pretty cool thing. That's a beautiful thing to look up to. Welcome, my friend. Um, um, I got, got me so distracted on the way. Oh, yeah. Get the log out of your own eye so you can get the speck. And the whole idea is committing to the process of being transformed. In other words, the transformation process is the removal of the log. And so people watch you remove your own log, and it teaches them how to remove the speck. Right? And we talked about how a preacher needs to be the most transformed person in the room. That he has to be being transformed so that he can help remove the specks. Is that correct? And how important that was. We're going to kind of continue on that vein because the solution to pulling the thing was to commit to that process and it was to seek, knock, and ask. You remember that? How many weren't here for that message two weeks ago? Okay, that's, that's just a few. It's online. I encourage you to go get that. But I'm going to kind of pick up on that idea. And I'm going to start in chapter 6, verse 25. It says, therefore. And every time there's a therefore, you need to figure out what the therefore is there for. <laughs> so you need to read the previous stuff. We're not going to do it this morning. But I would encourage you later on to go back. He says, therefore, because I've said all this and because, you know, I've had, you know, two or three pages here of red, which is Jesus talking. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry. Say that to your neighbor. I say to you, do not worry. Say it with conviction. I say to you, do not worry. Now, the reason I want you to do that is I want you to hear that this is a word from Jesus. This is a word from Jesus. This is not, this is not a, a suggestion. This is not a good idea. This is a command from God that says, do not worry. Now, we live in a society that is more anxious than they've ever been, more worried than they've ever been, and in a, in a, a, in a tremendously high level of suicide rate especially among young people, because they see no hope. And Jesus is saying here, do not worry. I tell you, don't do it. Stop it. Stop. You say, well, that's easier said than done. Well, that's according. Well, what's it according to? 
It's according to what your relationship with Christ is like. Here's the truth. One of the things that I had a discussion with a startup church, we started a church, Esai was helped start the gate community in Charleston, South Carolina this weekend, Friday night. It was an amazing event. And as we started that thing up down there, uh, we were just in conversation about the fundamental principles of a church. And I, and, and I, and I really learned something this week. A pastor, a teacher, and an evangelist want to do things and are really concerned about people. And we need them in the church. They're part of the five-fold ministry gift. They want people to be happy. They want people to be uh, fulfilled. They want all those great things about people. So they, they are really concerned about drawing a crowd in a church. A prophetic voice doesn't care anything about drawing a crowd. He wants to draw God. And so you need the prophet because the prophet doesn't care if he draws a big crowd. The prophet cares about whether he draws God or not. So you need the pastors to help you draw the crowd or you just have a prophet with an empty room. <laughs> but you also need to know that the presence of God needs to be in a place and it doesn't need to be offending to people. So the prophet's really concerned about that. And so I say this to you. What I learned this week was this. If we don't teach you how to have an intimate relationship with God in worship and we don't teach you how to pray, we have taught you nothing. Because the first thing we've got to do is teach you how to come into this place with God where you can commune with Him. Yes. And it starts with worship. It starts with adoring God and believing God and putting your trust in God. And then you've got to be able to communicate with God. And so oftentimes people come and they sit in churches and they get taught all these things and they get counseled. But they really never ever learn how to actually communicate with God. There are so many people that are sitting in pews all over the nation that say, I'm uncomfortable, I'm too uncomfortable to pray. And let me just tell you something right now. If you're too uncomfortable to pray, you're in a bad place because you have no ability to hear from the kingdom of heaven because prayer is communication with God. He wants to speak to you. He wants to give you solutions, but he tells you how to do so, and he does so as we're getting into this. He tells you, he says, don't you worry about your life. Now listen, this word in the Greek for worry right here is the same word that's used in the parable of the sower in the Gospels. Where the seed is thrown on the rocky soil and it says the cares of the world pluck the seed up. Same word, the worry. This word worry has this kind of context. This Greek word is, uh, you know, let me just make it real. You know, I've got I've got bills coming up this month, and I, and I don't have, I've got more outgo than I got income. That would be worry number one. My, my, my husband isn't in church. My wife isn't in church, or, or my wife or husband has a job problem. I've got two children that, that are 
wayward or one that's wayward and, and, and one that's, you know, dabbling in drugs or alcohol. I've got, I've got this and, and, then, and then, you know, I've got this situation with Aunt Sue and my mama's getting sick and older and I've got to take care of that and, and I don't know what I'm going to do for retirement because they just counseled it. You know, it, is, it has this context of this that, that we're in, we've got these systematic worry system and it's just kind of piled on top of each other. That you've got so many things that are consuming you that you've got this list in front of you of things that need to get done. You need something to happen and you don't know how to do it. And God is saying, don't let that list overwhelm you. He's saying, stop worrying. Don't worry. That's the context. <laughs> it's pretty relatable, is it not? To, to our situation. How many would say, golly, Pastor, you just kind of described the situation I'm in. How many would say that? All of us, right? In those situations, he says, don't worry. And then, he says this, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them are you not more valuable than they? Now, I'm a hunter. How many hunters we got in the house? How many people that like the fact that we have hunters in the house? <laughs> if you didn't have a hunter, you wouldn't have steak. <laughs> you, 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 wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have anything to eat. You know, those are hunters. Man, that's supposed to be funny. It just, it just hit the ground. You guys are... <clears throat> But the reason I love to hunt isn't necessarily just the hunt. The reason I love to hunt is because of nature. You know, you get out in the middle of nature and it's dark. You go out before the light, before you know, about an hour before sunup, and you get in this chair and you sit there and you just watch nature come alive. You know, first of all, you're hearing crickets and nothing else. And then all of a sudden the sun kind of comes up and you start seeing light. And, and then, the next thing you know, the birds are starting to worship Jesus. They don't, they don't do much. They just start singing. And they're singing everywhere. And you're going, unbelievable. Because it just came alive right in front of your face. And then after a little bit, maybe an hour or so, they get busy. They go to work. Jesus says, look at them and look at what they're doing. Look at the birds that are there, for they neither sow nor weep nor gather nor barns, yet your heavenly Father provides for them. They know where the food comes from. But listen, this is what I want you to understand. God doesn't bring the food to the tree. He doesn't bring the food up and put it into the bird's mouth. He provides it all over the place. He gives them the skills to see it, and then they go get it. So the first thing a bird does, he wakes up in the morning and begins to worship the Creator. Isn't it amazing that nothing fights the Creator except mankind? There's nothing that fights the Creator except us. 
They're in agreement. They're, they, they are dependent. They know that he is their provision. And they worship him. And then they go to work. They start gathering the things that God has provided. You know, he says that he, he for each one of us, is, he has seated us in heavenly places and given us every spiritual gift. Everything we need spiritually is ours. Yet we're sitting in the tree oftentimes expecting God to bring it to us when he actually wants us to just see it and go get it. So he says, look at the birds. Look at what's going on. Are you not more valuable than they? They're dependent on God. And they recognize God's their provision. And they are fed. Aren't you more valuable? Which one of you, worry, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? That's 18 inches in height. How many of you would like to have 18 more inches in height? That's two of you. So why don't you worry about, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow and neither toil nor spin. The clothing can be, you know, just, you know, it is the things that you put on, but it also is your needs, you know, what you need. He's not saying everybody go naked. He's saying look to God for your provision, right? Consider the lizard of Phil, how they grow and neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He just called you and me people of no faith. For what reason? Because we didn't believe that God was going to be our provision. Do you realize that in the Old Testament when the people started coming, got out of captivity and started wandering in the wilderness, that God provided manna, he provided their provision uh, one day at a time. And he said, I want you to go out and I want you to collect what you need today and don't collect more. Just collect what you need today. Depend on me today. Wake up in the morning and depend on me tomorrow. And don't collect for more for the next day. Depend on me. What he's what saying to you and me and what we need to really get good at is being in that intimate relationship, being in communication with him to such a degree that we get instruction from him. God wants to be our provision, but he's going to do it as he communicates. He's going to show us the way to go, and you're going to see this in just a minute. So then he says, he says quit worrying about that stuff. Quit worrying about the clothing and everything. You see how I take care of things. If I if I clothe the earth with you know and, and put grass on it and 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 you know it's going to be thrown into a fire. It's going to burn up. It's going to be like an oven. How much more will I clothe you, it, 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 you people of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, "What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear?" For all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows exactly what you need. How many people of Jewish heritage do we have in the, in the house? Would you raise your hand? We got, we got four. 
Okay, everybody that's not of Jewish heritage, raise your hand. <laughs> You're a Gentile. What's he talking about? Is he talking about us and the only four people in the room that are in good condition are these four? He's not. What he's talking about is even those, those people who don't believe that I am their provision. The Gentiles. Those who don't believe or look to me for provision, that's the way they think. So he's comparing us, if we worry, if we're anxious, with those who don't believe. He said that's a manifestation of unbelief. Now listen to me. When we talk about the same words, if you worry, it says there's going to be the seed of the kingdom of God that goes on this soil, your heart soil, and the cares of the world will snatch it from you. In other words, you can be a believer and you can read the word, you can pursue the word, you can somehow think that it might be true, but if you worry, you can be assured that you're not going to receive the kingdom. Because it's going to be snatched away. What snatches it away? <laughs> worry. Worry snatches it away. I'm messing with you, aren't I? But that's what the scripture is saying. It's saying worry, the same word used that is used in that parable, is going to take it away. So what should I do? You should seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. So what is righteousness? It, it means, you know, Jesus is our righteousness, but he also is the word, right? He's the word of God. He's our righteousness. There's a right, right way of doing, and there is a right way of thinking. There are kingdom ways. As it, as it is in heaven, so be it here, yes. right? So seek first what is like in heaven and how things are done there and all things all these things shall be added to you so what's the pathway the pathway is believing that God is your provision Amen. that he is your everything therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God is not saying that you shouldn't think about your troubles. He's saying you should only think about the troubles that you're going to have today. And that he is your provision. He is your solution. He has kingdom answers for you for today's trouble. He's got solutions. Kingdom solutions. Mm -hmm. For you. I don't know what it is. You say, Pastor, you don't know my mess. You don't know my financial mess. I don't care. You know, the Lord's really laid this on my heart. I don't care what your financial mess is. I don't care how you got into your financial mess. Because you're in a terrible, you've made terrible decisions and you're in a terrible financial situation, what's your relationship with God? 
from one to ten in your mind, what's your relationship with God? If you said anything other than a ten, you're in bad shape. You're a ten in God's eye. And, and, and what's going to happen is if you'll start asking for solutions, he's going to show you a way out no matter how you got there. He's saying quit worrying about how you're going to pay your bills in three months and start worrying about what you're going to do today to solve the issue. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today has its own mess. Right, I'm going to skip everything I talked about last week, and I'm going to go to verse 7. If you've got your Bibles open, go to verse 7, because he gives us the solution. He says, ask, and it will be given. Seek, seek what? Kingdom, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. What is it? Rita Springer was here, and this is what she said. She said, I've never had a prayer answered. And I was like, oh, man. That kind of messed with me a little bit. But this is what I think she meant. I've never had God answer a prayer based on how I ask him to answer the prayer. In other words, I never convinced God to do it a certain way. God always did it a better way. What he had for me was always better than what I was asking him for, right? He's got, he's got solutions. He's got, he's got things he wants to bring. And this is what he said. You ask, and the kingdom, it, will be given to you. Your solution. Creative solutions that are bigger than what you have. And they're not going to be what you think they ought to be. They're going to be different. Then he says, seek, and you'll find it. Knock, and it'll be open to you. Then he says this, for everyone, say that with me out loud, for everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. It will be. Is he lying? Is it trustworthy? Do you believe it? What's the solution? The solution is intimacy with God in worship and conversation. Not telling him what he ought to be doing, but looking for solutions, kingdom solutions to your issues. And then being willing to say, yes, God, I'm going to follow your programming because your way is better. Yes. Yeah. Now that's what we're unwilling to do. Because the rich young ruler was very unwilling to do that. He came and he said, what must I do to enter into the kingdom of heaven? He came to Jesus and said that. What was Jesus' response? Do the word. This is what he said. I have been ever since I was little. I gave my life to Christ when I was 10. I've been reading the Bible. I went to Sunday school. I've been going to church. I've been trying to do all those things, and it's just not working for me. I hadn't entered into the kingdom. And Jesus said, then, points to his issue. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And it said he went away sad. Why? Because he was unwilling to do what God asked him to do to solve his problem. 
And so oftentimes what we do is we say, Lord, how do I get kingdom in this? And he says, you need to do this. You're, you're not responding to this correctly. And we go, well, I'm not really willing to respond any other way to my child. And you walk away sad because you're really not willing to do what the Lord told you to do. Because what he's told you to do is hard. And he says, and you want kingdom, but you don't want to do what I've asked you to do. You see, God is looking. The, the Bible says that God's eyes are roaming to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for a heart that is solely devoted to him so that he can show himself strong through that man or that woman. It's about... Coming to the Lord, knowing that he is your provision, not worrying about tomorrow. Now, he'll use your creativity. He'll give you. But I'm going to tell you what. If I had to depend on my own talents to, to do what I've seen the Lord do in my life, I would have failed miserably time and time and time again. But I get nuggets. I get dreams. I get visions. I get uh, scriptures that come alive in certain situations that give me a pathway to go down that I would have never thought of on my own. Because God opens a, a window for me. But it comes from listening. It comes from looking for God's way out. And then being willing to say, yes, Lord, I know that's hard, but I also know that's you because I'm used to intimacy with you. I'm used to communication with you. I'm used to hearing your voice, and I know that's you, and it lines up with your word, so I'm willing to do it. Instead, we're worrying, and we're plucking the seed out of our hearts of the Word of God to make it null and void so the kingdom can't come. That's truth. God has made provision for us for today. I'm not saying don't plan. I'm not saying don't be responsible with your money. I'm saying don't be dependent on your own smarts. Don't be dependent on your own savings account. Don't be dependent on your retirement plan. He could go up and smoke. I just had a buddy of mine's house that burned down on Friday. To the ground. Lost everything he had. It's a matter of moments. Everything we have, our dependency is not our own sufficiency. And when we get in the habit of doing that is when we crash and burn. We're not to be irresponsible. Don't hear me saying that. Hear me saying we need to have a dependency on God for what he's going to lead us into because his ways are better. And he says if we get good at this. Now remember... It's committing to that way of pulling the log out of your own eye. Now, the, the log is things that you're doing that are contrary to the ways of God. That's the log. And the speck is the same thing. The log's just in your eyes, what he's saying in the scripture. 
So you commit to this process of intimately worshiping God, intimately depending on God day to day to day, and then one day down the road you realize the log's not in your eye anymore. Because you committed to the process of asking, seeking, and knocking. And it's not just rote. It's not just religion. It's relationship. It's an intimacy with God where you hear the voice of God and you do what he instructs you. And you can say, wow, did you see God show off? We should have testimonies after 20 years of the miraculous of God in our lives because we've been walking with him. And his glory has been revealed in us because we were obedient to what he told us to do. And then people will believe. People will believe and want our God if we were to do that instead of just making, instead of just judging them with our words and not showing them the glory of God and the miraculous of God in our own lives, knowing that we have a dependency upon the Savior, and they see that dependency. And Jesus says, stop worrying. How many in the room, and don't lie, need to stop worrying? I need to stop worrying. Because it's pulling the seed up of the kingdom's possibility in my life. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Let's pair that with this. <laughs> I, I got to start with verse 4 because it gives us Somewhat of a command. Rejoice in the Lord. Let's say that together. We got it up here? Yeah. Can we le read this out loud? Read it together loudly. You ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, wait, 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 wait. Rejoice in the Lord only when things are going good. Rejoice in the Lord only when we see his hand. You think the birds do that? Now the birds don't do that, do they? They wake up every morning rejoicing in the Lord. Always rejoice in the Lord. What's your antidote to anxiousness? Joy. Rejoice. So, wonder if you're not rejoicing. <laughs> Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, what I love about this particular verse in the ESV, which is the most accurate text that we have of the Bible, there's a semicolon here. And I like the semicolon. In the New King James, there's a period. In the ESV, there's a semicolon. It says, the Lord is at hand, semicolon, be anxious for nothing, but, everybody say but. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let's put those two together. Put them together. Look at the birds. Look at the birds. 
<laughs> They're worshiping. They see my hand. They depend on me today. They know they need to find food tomorrow. They're not worried about tomorrow. They're worried about today. They're looking for a solution today. They're rejoicing. They're joyful. And they're gathering what I've provided for them. Everything, everything, by communicating with God. Supplication means to transfer our burden, the burden of our soul, and to put it in God's hands. Transfer the burden of your soul and put it into God's hands today. Whatever you're facing, looking with thanksgiving for solutions, creative, miraculous Glory-filled solutions to everything that you're going to face today. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Oh, we need to hear this. When you start worrying, I love how the scripture's written. Right before the judges in Deuteronomy, God says, you know, when you get dissatisfied and disgruntled and you want a king like the rest of the world has a king, now this is in Deuteronomy, before judges and before kings, and this is what you need to look for. He actually gives instruction on how to pick a king in Deuteronomy. And he says, you know, you have an advocate with the Father. His name's Jesus for all your sin. So stop sinning. But when you sin, I don't expect you to walk out of here today and never worry again. That's unrealistic, wouldn't you say? But let me tell you what I believe is realistic. To see yourself worrying and think this thought, I'm not plucking that seed. I'm not pulling that seed off this path. I'm going to allow kingdom seed to grow in this thing. And I'm going to seek God with thanksgiving for the creative solution to my day. I'm going to rejoice. Because he has an answer for me. We can do that, can't we? We can do that. We can acknowledge the tactics of the enemy to pluck the seed. And we can say, no, no, no. I'm not worrying about tomorrow. I'm not worrying about next week. I'm worried about today. And today, God's going to give me solutions. And I'm going to rejoice. Yes. It sounds big, doesn't it? I can tell. I can feel it in the daggone room. I can feel it all over. We're like, dang, man. I got to quit worrying. I can feel it. It's everywhere. I don't think I can do that. Let me just tell you something. 
Let me encourage you. You can't. You can't without grace. It's the grace of God. It's the power of God. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that empowers you to do it, to do the kingdom. If you don't know how to worship, if you don't know how to communicate with God, you can't see kingdom. It's re revaluing, reprioritizing, resetting your day where you do like the birds. You wake up and worship. You talk to God. You communicate. You don't tell God what to do. He already knows your needs before you ask him. You mention and say, Lord, I want kingdom here. I need kingdom here, God. I need kingdom here, God. I need kingdom here, God. Today. I need solutions today. I need creative, glory-filled solutions today. And I rejoice that I'm going to get them. Because you promise in your word that if I ask, everybody who asks receives. I'm looking for it. <laughs> Give me solutions to solve today. And watch the glory of the Lord take over your life. See the glory of God in your testimony. Amen? Why don't we stand for closing prayer? <laughs> wow. How many just would raise your hand and say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Absolutely. Help me, Lord. That's good. We're going to do what we did in first service. I just can't help myself. If you're married right now, I want you to face your wife and face your husband. If you're married, y'all get together. Face each other. Look each other in the eye for the first time today. <laughs> Second time today. If you're not married, I want you to be praying with me as we pray together. Okay? Y'all ready to do this? We're going to pray God's blessing on each other. We're going to ask kingdom to come on each other. Okay, so I'm going to start with the men. Is that cool? Guys, I want you to repeat after me, and I want you to do it loudly, and we're just going to pray. I'm taking the pressure off of you, but look in your wife's eyes while you tell her this. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's not loud enough. In the name of Jesus. I bless you. I love you. With a love that can only come from him. I ask you to forgive me. Of any time. That I haven't led you. In a way that would please the Lord. With his help. I'm going to get better. Lord, I thank you right now for wisdom to lead my family. I thank you for wisdom 
to make righteous decisions. I thank you, Lord, for your provision for my family. I repent for worry, anxiousness, and trying to do things in my own strength. And I ask that your grace would be upon me and that I would lead courageously as I invite the kingdom into everything that I do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, girls, you ready? Y'all can kiss. I just heard kissing going on. That's all right. You're in church. You have a license. Y'all go right ahead. You ready, ladies? <laughs> King of kings. Louder than that. King of kings. And Lord of lords. The God of all gods. I cry out to you. Thank you, Lord. For my awesome husband. My awesome husband. <laughs> Thank you for a man. Thank you for a man. Who is after your heart. <laughs> Father, I pray your blessing. I pray that your spirit. I pray that wisdom. Would overtake him. I pray that he would be surrendered. In every way. To your word, to your will, and to your kingdom. I thank you for guiding him into all truth. I thank you and submit to his leadership. And I ask you, God, that I would be a producer of unity and not division. Yes, Amen. <laughs> Father, we bless you. And we serve you. And we ask and believe and know. And that it would be evident in everything we do that we trust you. And that we know that you're our provision in everything we need. In Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, we can hug and we can clap too. Come on. Somebody say, where's my husband? He's not here. <laughs> we got some single people saying, where's my husband? He's not here. If you're single, girls with girls and boys with boys, okay? Guys with guys, girls with girls, let's pair up. We're going to do it. We're going to leave y'all out. We're going to pray. Amen. Girls with girls, boys with boys. That's not hard to do. <laughs> Look around and make sure everybody's got somebody. Well, you don't have to be single. You can be single here today. If you're by yourself. <laughs> Zoe is by herself. Yep. You can pray with her. That's fine, Beth. Yep. Let's pray this over each other. Father, I bless my brother or sister. I ask Lord. That your spirit would come upon them. We pray against worry. And anxiety. 
Especially about a mate. We need to say that again, don't we? We pray against worry and anxiety. Especially about finding a mate. We believe that you are perfectly capable of helping me find the perfect man or woman so that I don't get ahead of you and really screw things up. Yeah. So, Father, I thank you that you're perfectly capable again of providing for me financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically, my every need. And I depend on you and believe in you to do that. In Jesus' name. And for those of you giggling, <laughs> I still believe you anyway, I, even though I'm giggling. <laughs> I thank you for that, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we hug like 24 people? We can't support our missionaries unless you guys give. The boxes are at the back. So we would love your tithing offering as you go. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.